0: Of faith Uh, in the early church in in some of the early years, the early 300s, the church began to to misunderstand what baptism was. Some began to believe that baptism actually washed away sins. And and so there were some famous figures that would get saved uh, as as young men or women, and, and they would wait until they were on their deathbed to be baptized because they believed that that then they could go into heaven clean. Baptism and the washing of the water in baptism doesn't wash away our sins, but testifies to a spiritual reality that has taken place in Jesus Christ. So being saved in Christ, and this is our main point this morning, being saved in Christ means sharing in his death and resurrection. Being saved in Jesus Christ means that what happened to Jesus, his death, and his resurrection now applies to me. It, it takes effect in my life that I participate in, in what the Lord Jesus Christ has done, that he has done it for me, and I share in the benefits of it. It is, it is If you want to think of a visual imagery, think of yourself being tethered, To Jesus Christ connected with a a super strong rope so that everything that has happened to him on the cross and resurrection now has happened to you in your life, in your spiritual life. So being saved in Christ means sharing in his death and resurrection. So at salvation, at salvation, the believer is baptized into Jesus Christ. And so we, we think here of, of baptism and and baptism is a, an outward sign, a physical act that takes place. But as Paul talks about it here in Romans, he's, he's not so much talking about the the physical acts that take place, but he's talking about what actually goes on spiritually. When we become a member of Jesus Christ, when we believe in him and become part of his body. So Paul is using baptism here to speak of a spiritual reality that takes place. That we are so united to Jesus Christ that when we believe in him, all that has happened to him now applies to us. We become in Christ to use the language that Paul uses, it's a a, a spiritual union or connection that that is effected when I place my trust entirely upon uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so there is a sense in this union with Jesus that we are immersed into all the benefits that we are baptized into everything uh, that Christ has done For us. So the physical outward act, as I've already said, the physical outward act of baptism itself does not save anyone. It has no saving power, it does not wash away any sin. Uh, Kirsten and I, when we go into this water we won 't be any cleaner when we come out uh, than when we went in. I mean, we might smell a little nicer maybe i, I don 't know. I took a shower this morning, so i should be I should be good, but it doesn 't actually physically do anything think of it Think of it like communion and and we 'll make an analogy here. Uh, Baptism and communion are the the two ordinances of the church, the two things that Jesus sets up so that we can physically see the spiritual realities that go on. But the things that we see aren't the actual realities themselves. They're, They're just testimonies. They're just witnesses to what's going on. So when you, you take communion, you take something and we, you, we take the, the bread and you take the, the cup and you, we say we're, we're doing this in remembrance of Jesus. The, the actual elements don't become Jesus' body or blood physically. They don't change into anything. Uh, it is still bread. It is still uh, grape juice or, or wine, depending on, on what we're serving that day, but the, the fruit of a grape. But we are taking them in. And we're reminding ourselves that we need to be a part of Jesus's body, that we need to have his body stand in our place, his blood cover our sins. And that that eating that and drinking that is a reminder that we're putting faith not in these two things that we hold, but we're putting faith in Jesus and what he has done. Baptism is the same way. We're reminding ourselves and we are testifying to others that we are putting faith in what Jesus has done. And when we put faith in Jesus, all the benefits of what he's done on the cross get connected to us. So the believer in Christ then is baptized into Jesus. Look at verse uh, uh, 3 of Romans chapter 6. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized... Uh, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Galatians 3.27 says similarly, For as many of you were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So what we have here is, 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 think of it this way. You have the experience of Jesus, right? He dies on the cross. He's buried. He's in the grave for three days. And he rises again from the dead. When I put faith and trust in Jesus, that experience, death, burial, and resurrection, happens to me. Because he stood in my place. I now get the death that Jesus died. My sin, put to death by what he did on the cross. I in the grave, in a sense. We we do this very physically when we're baptized. We we stand in the water and we go down under and we come back up just as Jesus rose again to new life. That becomes a symbol of new spiritual life that I have in Jesus. I want you to see here from the context uh, just a little bit what Paul is responding to. Look at verses 1 and 2. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Paul is responding uh, to a potential criticism of an understanding of grace. A grace means that God freely forgives us of our sins. It is is the riches of God's mercy won for us through what Christ has done on the cross. And it is given as a free gift. I don't do anything to earn it. I can't do anything to make God love me more. I simply open my hands and put faith in Jesus and receive what he has done for me. The temptation then, though, for some is to think that because this gift is so free, because it, it is not dependent upon what I do or how I live, the temptation then is to think, wow, I can go on and, and live however I want. I can just go out and sin. It's, it's, it's like um, having credit card debt. And having someone say, I will completely pay that debt and wipe it away. And then the person going, you know, I still have the credit card. Let's go shopping. Let's, let's rack up a bunch more debt because this person has, has promised in their grace to, to wipe away my bill. Why would I not put more things on that tab? Um, funny story came to my i remember one time when one of our kids was was little um they asked us to to buy something and uh, i think it was candy or something and and i i just said well i'm i'm sorry you know i don't i don't have any money in in my wallet and and yes you do you know what are you talking about there's there's no cash well you have this plastic thing you know well no because you actually have to pay for that um not understanding, assuming we just swipe it and things magically take care of themselves. And, and some people treat the grace of God that way. If I just sin, it really doesn't matter. And Paul says, no, shall we go on sinning so that this grace can abound? No, because we have New life in Jesus Christ. If you back up here in Romans chapter five, Paul has been talking about sin. He's been talking about how sin entered the world through Adam and in Adam we all sin. And then God gave the law. And the thing about the law, the thing about the commands of God is the commands of God don't forgive sin. They spell out what sin is. They make it more clear. They actually make it easier in a way for you to break the rules, because now you know what the rules are. And so Paul says in verse 20, now that the law came to increase the trespass. So you have sin and we all sin. And then God gave the law and people sinned even more. You think about Old Testament Israel and how much man when they got the law. They decided they were going to go out and break it even more. And then he says in the second half of verse 20, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more so that sin reigned in death, that grace might also reign through the righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ. And so the temptation would be to say, well, grace abounds. Paul says that's no excuse because you share in what Jesus Christ has done. So we see at verse 3 that we have died to sin. Because we are dead to sin, because the, the power of sin has been defeated in us, we, we still as believers sin and we still have the presence of sin. But the the enslaving power that that holds me down and keeps me under condemnation. That is entirely taken care of because when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he paid for it. We we sing the hymn. Jesus paid it all. All to him I own. Oh, sin had left a, a crimson stain. But Jesus washed it white as snow. I come, when I believe in Jesus Christ, I come to participate in that death and resurrection. I come to share in it. That His blood covers my sin and it is washed away. But that does not mean simply that my, that my slate is clean and I can go out and, and sin a little more and God will forgive it and I can just go out and, and live how I want. Just as Jesus Christ rose again from the dead. You know, Jesus Christ did not stay dead. Part of his conquering sin is that he rose again. In fact, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15 that if, if Christ was still dead, we would still be in our sins. Just as Christ rose again from the dead, I too have come now because I put faith in Jesus and I have a new life in So we see here in verse four that our old self has been buried with Christ Jesus, just as Jesus was truly buried. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into his death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father, we, too, might walk in the newness of life. So there's what we've been saying that Jesus Christ rose then from the dead. He walks in this life of resurrection. So also in Christ we become a new creation. Think of the imagery that Paul uses when, or excuse me, that Jesus uses when he talks to Nicodemus, right? He says, You must be born again. And Nicodemus, not understanding the analogy, says, wow, that's silly. How can I go back inside my my mother's womb? Uh, I don't know how big Nicodemus was, but, you know, if he was five foot five or six feet, you know, he's not going to fit. How can he how can he do that? Jesus is talking about a spiritual reality. Born again, having new life that comes from God. It's, it's the same analogy. It's, it's like a resurrection has taken place in our hearts. There is new spiritual life that never was there to begin with. Paul says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That we are dead in our sins and no one seeks God. But that old self, that dead Self is put to death when we believe in Jesus Christ and we are given a resurrection life. The Holy Spirit comes in and we have a new heart. We die with Christ. We are baptized. It is a a burial that going down into the water. And it is a coming back up to walk in newness of life. Let me just say then, how should, uh, well, let me first ask the question, who should be baptized? First, who should be baptized? A believer in the Lord Jesus Christ should be baptized. Everyone who has professed faith in the Lord Jesus Christ at some point in their life should follow in the steps of obedience of baptism. Now, if you don't get baptized, you're still saved. You're saved through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You remember the thief on the cross who's who's dying and and says to the Lord Jesus, you know, today when you come into into your kingdom, remember me. And Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. Well, the man was saved from that moment. He didn't have time to say, hey, Jesus, can we we get down here for a few minutes and let me have a baptismal service with you? Uh, No, he died within hours. But he went to heaven. Baptism doesn't save. But every believer should follow in baptism as a testimony to what the Lord Jesus has done for him. How should we be baptized? Well, baptism, the word itself, actually does mean to immerse. Um, There's debate and different churches practice different things. but, But the word of God is pretty clear, I think, in this, that baptism means to immerse. There were some older forms of this word some some similar related words and they often used a, a similar word to talk about dyeing clothes. Have you ever done tie-dye? And and you take the t-shirt and or whatever you're tie-dyeing and you wrap it really tight and you put some rubber bands on it and then what do you do? You take a bucket or something of dye. And and what do you do? Do you do you just sprinkle the dye over it? No, you You baptize it into that dye. You you immerse it. You sink it down in. And and they use similar words in in other, uh, not in the Bible, but in other Greek things that were written at the time to talk about dyeing your clothes. The Christian symbolism of the act itself then is now different dying, dying like put to death. It's dying and rising with Christ. And, and so why do we practice it by immersion? That's because that one, that's faithful to what the word means. But two, that's faithful to the symbolism. It's the symbolism of going into the grave, being buried with Christ, coming up out of the water, being raised to new life. Uh, we would never, at least I hope not, we would never take the communion meal and say, you know, why don't we swap out the wine or the grape juice with some Kool-Aid? Kool-Aid tastes much better. You know, and instead of instead of uh, the the unleavened bread or the cracker wafer, you know, what if we use little candy bars? You know, we'll, we'll cut up some Hershey's. You know how small they get the Hershey chocolate when you cut them in. Wouldn't that be exciting? This is my chocolate bar given for you. I mean, we would never do that. Why? Because there is. Physical symbolism in partaking of the meal it is it comes out of the the Old Testament uh, passover meal, and so we would we would never change the elements because we say, you know this is what Jesus has established, and there is spiritual meaning to what we do in the same way we should never change the way that we practice baptism because there is physical symbolism in the way that we do it. We do it to believers because we say that, well, one, it's the command of scripture, but two, it symbolizes what the believer has experienced. Only the believer in the Lord Jesus Christ has this sharing in the death and resurrection. Uh, Little baby infants do not share yet In the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The believer shares in the death and resurrection of Christ. And so we do it to believers. We do it by immersion. Because one, that's what the word means as I keep repeating myself here. But two, how am I going to symbolize dying? Sprinkling symbolizes maybe getting a shower. I I don't know. But going under the water symbolizes death coming up out that you know that should be the moment uh, where we all just cheer because because it is like Jesus himself coming out of the grave that the believer in Jesus Christ has moved from being dead in their sins to life in Jesus Christ. Baptism is a public testimony to the Lord Jesus Christ. Baptism takes place after belief. We are told this in scripture. Acts Two thirty-seven and 38. Now, when they had heard these things, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Uh, They heard the gospel. They heard that they needed to repent. They say, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter says to them, repent and be baptized. Uh, Repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, You'll remember the Philippian jailer who had locked Paul and Barnabas in the jail cell. And there was this great earthquake. And, and the jailer now is ready to kill himself because the bars of the prison had flung open and he figured everybody ran away and I am going to be put to death because I lost the prisoners I was in charge of. And, and Paul and Barnabas stop him from killing himself. And in that moment, through that testimony, the Philippian jailer says, Sirs, guys, gentlemen, what must I do to be saved? And what does Paul say? Paul says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. And then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house. And they took them that same hour of the night and washed their wounds. Uh, He took them, the Philippian jailer, washed their wounds and he was baptized at once, he and his family. I want you to notice something. As This is in Acts chapter 16, and and you can follow along in your Bibles if you want to or look it up at some point. But notice he says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. The command to believe is to the Philippian jailer, but by extension, it's to his household. That anybody in this house that wants to be saved needs to believe in the Lord Jesus. That's it. That's all you have to do. Put your faith and trust in what he has done and you will be saved. Then it says they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house. So at some point they go back or, or perhaps the people from the house came to the jail. Uh, I'm not sure exactly where this took place. But P- Paul and Barnabas preach the word. They preach it to the jailer, but they preach it also to the people in his house that everyone is hearing the word of God. And then it says, after he's washed the wounds of Paul and Barnabas, it says he was baptized at once, he and all his family. All he had to do to be saved was believe all his family had to do to be saved was believe. They heard the word of God. He did. His family did. They believed. And in that hour, they became baptized. They followed with obedience. They gave the, the public testimony that I belong to Jesus Christ, that Christ Himself has, has made me a part of His body and baptize me spiritually, putting his death over me so that my sins are washed away, imparting through the Holy Spirit new life into me. The, the spiritual reality connects then to what we do in the symbolism of the physical baptism. We then, the second point this morning, we are united with Christ then in death and in life. Being in Christ's death means that we'll also have a future resurrection. The, the great hope of our salvation is not merely for the here and now. God does many wonderful things in our life. There are many people that come out of horrible backgrounds and they get saved. And God puts their life back in order and gives them peace or, or helps them with trials that they are going through. But the great hope of salvation is not for this life. It is for eternal life It is for resurrection life. So Paul says in verse five, for if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. So Paul uses resurrection in two ways in this passage. One, we've been talking about: we walk in newness of life. We have new spiritual life. But the second way is that just as Jesus Christ came back from the dead physically and bodily and walked around and he could not ever die again, that will happen to us. Do you do you believe that? Uh, some of us, maybe more so than others, are, are getting old, but we're all getting old, Right. Our bodies are all wearing out. And this is the moment where you, like, you don't want to look at anyone in particular. I just mean all of us. We're all getting old, and, and the body is wearing down, and we will die. And, and if the Lord doesn't return, we will gro- go into the grave. There is an end to life if the Lord doesn't return. But there is a life after life after death. When we die, we go to heaven. But the ultimate hope is. When the Lord Jesus Christ returns, each one of us, if we believe in Jesus, we get a resurrected body. Death doesn't win when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I move from spiritual death to spiritual life. I will one day move from physical death, assuming that we die before the Lord returns. Some of us might live to see his return. But we will move from physical death, a body that is decaying and breaking down to physical, bodily resurrection life. And why is that? Because I share in everything that happened to Jesus. I share in his death on the cross. Now, he didn't die for his sins. He had no sin. But he died for my sins. And I share in that. But he rose up out of death, conquering life. And I will share in that. How then do we live in the here and now? Look at verse 6. You and I are no longer a slave to sin. And here we want to make a distinction. As a believer, we still have the presence of sin in our life. We still stumble. We still fall. We still face temptations. We still sin. But sin is no longer the dominating, reigning, ruling, the mastering power of my life that it once was. Jesus has defeated that. Jesus is the Lord in my life now. We know that our old self, in other words, who we were in our sin, was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. You are in Christ set free. You are no longer a slave to sin. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, it's that same sort of phrase, that union with Christ, that connection to him that we have. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. This is why Paul has said, therefore, we ought to go on and walk in newness of life. Verse 10, he says of Jesus for the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. So you also consider yourself dead to sin. And alive to God in Jesus Christ. Sin and its condemnation has been put to death. You are free. You are saved. There is, From the moment you believe, you are guaranteed to go to heaven if you continue in the faith. There is no waiting to see if we're saved. There is no, oh, I hope that I can get there. Maybe if I'm good enough. We are saved. Now the challenge is, Paul says, live like it sin isn't your master you've been liberated from it you've been set free this this morning is what kirsten is testifying to she is testifying and she's believed in the lord jesus christ and he has set her free he has put to death that which was old in her and sinful. And, and, and sometimes, you know, sometimes we forget that, that little kids, little kids are sinful. I was a little kid. I have little kids, but I was a little kid. I was not, you know, we might say, well, I, you know, I never committed murder, but you know, I was sneaky. I, I lied as a little kid. i lied as an older kid sometimes too, but that's, you know, that's God working on my Christian walk there. But, but we are born in sin, and, and you don't have to teach a child to sin. I' ask Michelle maybe if she can testify to that. She never taught Kirsten to sin, but I'm sure it happened, right? But Kirsten is testifying that God saved her out of that. He has set her free and given her a new life, and she wants to walk in that and obey. I hope today that we'll have a, a time of celebration. Um, that we'll be excited that Kirsten is doing this. and 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 I hope the excitement is because we see God working in a young life. But I hope the second thing is that you are excited because it reminds you of what God has done in your life. If you've never believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you've never experienced the forgiveness of sin, I would invite you to do that today place faith and trust in his death that he died on the cross to pay the penalty and look to him in hope of the resurrection that he rose again conquering that but if you've been a believer in that if you are a believer in that i hope that you rejoice as you as you see her go down in the water remind yourself that you too participate in what happened to to jesus Christ died for you and you share in that death. Your old self has been buried. You come up out of that with a new life, just as Kirsten is going to to come up out of that water. When you're a pastor, it's always fun when you baptize people and it's always fun to see sometimes how some people react coming up out of the water. Some people don't like going under the water. They, they just don't. And, and there's this, you know, some people gasp like you've, like you've choked them or, or something. You know, they're, they're, there's that moment where the sheer terror just bleeds away. because I'm no longer under the water. Yay. But, but there is that spiritual, I am no longer under sin. Because God gave me new life. And he gives me the Holy Spirit to walk in that new life. Let's uh, let's close in a word of prayer. Our gracious God and, and Heavenly Father, Lord, we just pray that you would bless our time here today as we have a baptism. We just thank you so much for the spiritual realities that have taken place in the life of Kirsten and in each one of our lives if we have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. In your name we pray. Amen. One other thing if you've never followed in baptism, please talk to me. We've got the baptismal. It doesn't take very long to fill it up with water. We can do one of these any week that anyone is interested. If you've never done that and the Lord is laying that on your heart, make a commitment to, to do that. Okay, Kirsten is waiting out there. She's looking a little uh, excited and and. Uh, bobbing around there. Uh, I've asked her to come on forward and I, I don't know if her mom might be coming with her or not uh, She's going to share uh, a little bit of her testimony um, She is a younger child, so she doesn't have much to say, but she she did write it out and we're so grateful um, And I think she's using this mic here while she's coming forward um, Let me just tell you what's going to happen. She's going to share her testimony Uh, Then my wife is going to come forward and Lorna is going to play and my wife's going to lead the hymn Uh, Kirsten and I are going to go into different rooms and we're going to quickly Change into our swimsuits so we can get in the water Uh, When that's done when the hymn is done uh, We'll pull all this to the side uh, and we'll do the baptism. Please, if you want to get some pictures, you're welcome to to move up or move over on this side. I try not to stand in front of anybody else. But, you know, if you want to even come up here into the choir area or whatever, you know, there's no rules that say you can't come up here to get a good picture and to enjoy this celebration. Uh, and it is a moment of celebration. All right. Are you ready, Kirsten? OK. All right. Go for it. I want to share with everyone that I know God has forgiven me of my sins. Now now I will read John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his own his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. All right. Kirsten, you believe that the Lord Jesus Christ forgave you of your sins yeah. you believe that he died on the cross for you yeah. and you've accepted him into your heart yeah. we've we've talked about this already um but you know also that baptism doesn't save you right yeah right and why do you want to do this again i want to do this because i want to show everyone that i that god has forgiven me All right. Great. Thank you so much. Okay, um, we're going to sing. Well, you guys will all sing and we'll be ready for the baptism in in a minute or two. So if you'll all rise and we'll be singing hymn number 461.